Hello, it's great to be with you today. Thank you for joining us as we continue in our series on the book of Ezra. And today we're looking at chapter 7, in which we read about Ezra's great regard for God's word or God's law, the Bible as we know it, although of course he would have had a a slimmer version uh, before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Gospels and the New Testament were written and so on. Uh, So we're going to be talking about God's word today and as I prepared the sermon I glanced at the bookshelf in my rectory study to count how many Bibles I have on the shelf and shockingly I have 33. I have to say that as a minister I do indulge myself with a new Bible quite frequently and I've got various translations and so on Um, but 33 and yet and that doesn't include Bible apps that I've got or books that are Bibles that I've got in the church office as well. Um, 33 and yet I have to confess that um, I don't always approach the Bible the right way and this might resonate with you as well. Um, I have to say that I always come to scripture with one of a couple of attitudes. Uh, One can be a bit of disengagement. It becomes familiar or you know certainly hard things in here either hard as in hard lessons or hard to understand why they're why they're in scripture there's some pretty shocking stuff in scripture Uh, so sometimes i think i my attitude is a bit disengaged sometimes i think my attitude is a bit treating like this is a textbook Uh, for those of us who've been driving more than five years will remember how we always had we always had the melways which was our street directory in our cars and we'd look up yep i'm you know we'd we'd use it to find where is this street map 60 l3 and we'd find it and we'd be driving along glancing at the map as you know sometimes i feel like the bible is a bit like a useful book like that a textbook to me Um, but you'll be happy to hear that a lot of the time I come to this as my attitude is I want to be changed by it. I want to meet God. I not only want to read it, I want to be read by it. I want to meet God and have God change my life as I read it. Um, So I wonder if any of those attitudes, if you're feeling, like how are you feeling about the Bible at the moment? Disengaged, a bit over familiar, it's a bit of a textbook, um, or oh wow switched on and ready and looking for God to speak to you through it let's see what we can learn from Ezra about his regard for God's word Um, so we read in chapter 7 after these things during the reign of Artaxerxes king of Persia Ezra son of Sariah this Ezra came up from Babylon he was a teacher well versed in the law of Moses in fact seven times I read about his regard for scripture in case you've missed the earlier sermons I'm just going to give you a little bit of context Um, God's people returned from Babylon where they were exiled they were there for about 70 years they were given permission not by the Babylonians King Nebuchadnezzar but by the Persian King Cyrus who overthrew Nebuchadnezzar given permission by Cyrus to return to Jerusalem to rebuild their city of Jerusalem to rebuild their temple and their their life together Um, and in the first six chapters we read about this wonderful start that they made uh, to rebuilding their worship life together, their festivals, their sacrifices, uh, they, their altar uh, was the first thing they built in the temple. They laid the foundation. And during this time, they were led by Zerubbabel and the other priests. But you'll recall also that um, after they laid the foundation of the temple, 
they became deeply discouraged. They faced fierce opposition, opposition which was hostile, uh, life-threatening, which involved corruption, um, and all work on the temple essentially stopped for 60 years. So there's a lot contained in this little sentence here. After these things, during the reign of Artaxerxes, so no longer Cyrus nor his son Xerxes, who, by the way, um, married Esther, who became queen. Now we've got Artaxerxes, king of Persia, who is saying to Ezra um, that he can go up to from Babylon to Jerusalem, can take a whole group of new people with him and teach God's people, um, continue the work of restoring God's people's worship life and so on. Uh, in fact, I think we could almost say that chapters 1 to 6 of Ezra are about the rebuilding of the worship life and chapters 7 to 10, where we find a lot of Ezra's ministry, is concerned with rebuilding the distinctive godliness of God's people through, through this vehicle in chapter 7 of God's word. And, you know... I don't know what your attitude is to the Bible, but I was doing a bit of research and um, I came across a study made by the website Bible Gateway. Um, it's a website that lots of people go online to read the Bible on and it's where we get our text each week that you see scrolling on the screen as people do their Bible reading. Uh, Bible Gateway can, of course, work out how many hits or how many people are reading scripture online in every city in the world that's using it and so they compared how long people were reading scripture for and how often they logged on and the results for Australia weren't that encouraging. Um, I think Sydney, more people in Sydney than any other city in Australia read the Bible online but I think Richmond in Melbourne is the city where people read it for the longest period of time once they've logged on. But McCrindle research in Sydney concluded that um, they worked out all the numbers and they said, you know, if all of Australia that was logging on to read the Bible, if all of Australia, those stats were just like one city in the US, which we might call Australia City, then that city would not be even in the top 100 cities of the US in terms of Bible reading frequency or duration. Uh, so we don't read our Bibles that much. And McCrindle Research in Sydney also did a study where they interviewed a couple of hundred people who described themselves as non-believers, non-Christians, but open to change and curious about Christianity. And disappointingly, those couple of hundred believers, 20% of them, uh, roughly 20%, I can't remember exactly what it was, about 20% uh, said that the Bible was a barrier to their belief. Um, that it blocked their belief. And so, you know, it can be a difficult book both to understand and to accept because in the Bible, the Bible was written um, in various times and places. It's inspired by God. It's God-breathed is the literal translation. Um, it is the word of God. But God wrote through people, if you like, um, people who lived in times where there were different historical contexts. And so as we read God's word, we come across, we came across genocide, we come across slavery, we come across patriarchy. And many as you read this, you know, you, you start to wonder like, is this just the historical backdrop for what I'm reading? Or is it being normalized? Like this is what 
the world should be like. Uh, certainly, it, it, it has to be said that some of the leaders of our churches and nations have used the historical backdrop of God's word, various times and places, times of slavery, times of patriarchy, have used that to normalise those things rather than see them as simply the historical context um, in which God was speaking through his people at the time. So it can be a tricky book. Um, It can be a book that we can feel disengaged from and so on. But let's look at Ezra's wonderful attitude to it. As we read Ezra chapter 7, we read that seven times in chapter 7 I I picked up, it says he was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses. He devoted himself to the study and observance of the law. He was learned in matters concerning the commands and decrees of the Lord of Israel. Uh, He was told by Artaxerxes to go up and teach the people the laws of your God and including also teach any who do not know them. Uh, So a great focus on his regard, his understanding, uh, his teaching of God's word. In fact, I think we we could make three points about Ezra's attitude to scripture, which are deeply challenging for us. And the first is to say, Ezra, um, in verse 10, it says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its discreet, its decrees and laws in Israel. This law of the Lord means the Bible. Ezra devoted himself to it. Other translations will say he set his heart upon studying and observing and teaching it. Um, he made a heart choice a heartfelt choice, a commitment to God's word, to it being the thing through which he would seek God's word for his own life and for God's people. Um, Someone has said, isn't life simply a series of heart choices that we then act upon and live out? And for Ezra, he made this heartfelt choice. He loved, he was committed to God's word. There's the challenge for us. Are we committed to God's word in the same way? Um, Have we set our hearts to say, this is the book in which I will encounter God. This is the book that I will allow to form myself and I will do the hard work of sorting out the historical context and so on. I will do the hard work of understanding what I need to understand in order for God to speak to me through it. Um, Do you love God's word as Ezra did? It's interesting, there are other people in the Bible too we read about who were blessed by God, um, were favoured by God just as we read Ezra is, and were also deeply committed to God's word. Um, Daniel, Solomon, many others. The Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Rabbi, uh, totally immersed in God's word loving God's word. Um, Secondly, Ezra did God's word. He didn't just set his heart upon it, but he lived by it. He observed it. Uh, He observed it. He obeyed it. Um, He obeyed it as well. Uh, And it's important, especially in our era of great knowledge, that, you know, we're not meant to just be smart Christians 
who know how many books there are in the Bible and who know lots of stuff about what the Bible teaches. We're not after knowledge. We're after formation as such. Um, we want to be changed by it. Uh, there's an American preacher. He's a terrific preacher, Mark Connor. He's at Bridgetown Church in Seattle. And I was listening to, uh, I don't know if it was a podcast or a sermon, did a series on scripture. And he quotes an author by the name of Robert Mulholland, who's written a book called Shaped by God's Word. And in it, Mulholland, he, he highlights that we find ourselves now in a revolutionary time of great information. You know, we're very data-driven. Uh, we, we have more information come across our desks and phones and laptops each day than our ancestors did, you know, incredibly much more. Uh, we are people of great knowledge. But Mulholland says we mustn't come to the Bible merely for information but for formation, to be formed into God's people, uh, to be reformed, rebuilt, uh, to be made holy, um, to be formed by the Lord Jesus Christ as we come to it. This needs to be our attitude more than anything else. Um, another writer has said, study the Bible to be wise, believe it to be saved, but practice it to be holy. And another, apply yourself to the scripture and and let the scriptures apply to you. Um, apply yourself to the scriptures and the scriptures to yourself. Um, so Ezra loved God's word. Do we love it? Ezra did God's word. Are we doing it? Are we letting it change us? Are we letting it change us? And thirdly, Ezra taught God's word. And here you might switch off and think, well, Ezra was a priest and he was a teacher of the law. But the word for teaching in verse 10, um, he devoted himself to teaching its decrees and laws. That word for teaching is from the Hebrew word lamad, which is a verb. And the root of that word comes from this idea about goading or prodding cattle along. Uh, to get them to a certain point. And when we think about what that means, it's like not when it's, it's talking about teaching scripture, not just teaching whole sermons of scripture, but to prodding people with scripture, um, to take those, you know, life experiences that we're going through and to turn them into a life lesson by applying the lens of scripture to them. How encouraging is it to someone who, for example, might be going through some suffering, to have a brother or sister say to them um, that, that scripture that talks about how we endure suffering so that we can encourage others. I think we're all called to not only love God's word, to let it change us, to make, us, make it form us because we are apprentices of Jesus and we want to be formed through it, um, but also to teach others through it, to prod them along. Um, and I think that anyone who has made a heart choice of commitment to God's word and who does God's word, um, those people 
are qualified to teach God's word, to, to use it, to help their brothers and sisters and not just their brothers and sisters. Jesus gave us this great command uh, to go and teach all that he had commanded um, and promises to be with us through his spirit as we do that. So love it, do it, and teach it to others. Priesthood of all believers. Ezra is a great example to us of someone who loved and did and taught God's word. But at the very best, he is simply a forerunner to Jesus Christ, the living word of God. It's in the book of Hebrews that we um, read about this connection between Jesus being a high priest and also the word of God. Um, we read about his priestly role. He's described as a high priest in the book of Hebrews and there's this wonderful Greek, Greek word that um, talks about how his sacrifice that he made, he was the intermediary who made a sacrifice one for all, once for all time, one person for all humanity, one once in time, didn't need to be repeated because it was good for all times. Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus is also God's word. Um, and the first verses of the book of Hebrews talk about Jesus uh, in this way. Um, it says that in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in the last days, he's spoken to us by his son, heir of all things, through whom the universe was made, the radiance of God's glory. Um, it is Jesus, the living word, that we want to come to as we read God's word. There was once a time where Jesus, who had the highest regard for scripture, you know, he used it, he quoted it to Satan when Satan was trying to tempt him. Uh, he quoted it to the Pharisees. Um, he said he hadn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he said it was about him. He said, it's recorded in John chapter 5, it says this about Jesus's uh, what Jesus says about the scriptures. He says, and he's talking, he's talking to um, the Jewish leaders. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, and yet you refuse to come to me to have life. He was accusing the Jewish leaders of studying the scriptures to get eternal life, to get eternal life through them. And he said the scriptures are actually about him, Jesus, and how true this is. You know, if you do the hard yards of studying the big story of scripture and you see this big narrative and how everything is pointing to the coming of Jesus, to the, to the life and sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus and the new life we have through him, it changes our attitude to scripture. We don't come to it for eternal life. We come to it to find Jesus and through him we gain eternal life. He is the living word of God. Uh, he is the living word of God. Um, and so I want to conclude by saying the application for us and for anyone like as we start to prepare to go back to church, I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine us as churches that are characterised by each one of us loving God's word, um, doing God's word, uh, letting it form us, letting Jesus disciple us as we come to it 
um, each day being formed by it, not coming to it for information, but coming to it for formation, loving it, um, doing it, and teaching it to others. Imagine our churches in this COVID normal stage we're going into and even post-COVID. Imagine the work of our churches if we are able to each love it, do it, and uh, love it, do it, and teach it to others. I want to close by therefore saying, yeah, let's, um, let's not go away from this thinking, I've got to read it more and I've got to obey it. You know, no legalism, but think about our attitude. Let's come to God through his living word, Jesus Christ, who uses his spirit to speak to us as we study this, as we do this, as we teach it to others. And so therefore it is um, appropriate that I'll close by reading about Jesus as the living word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. With God in the beginning, through him all things were made. In him was life, the light that shone in the darkness. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me close in prayer for us. Lord Jesus Christ, as we come to you through these written words, may your Holy Spirit reveal to us your glory, God's grace, God's truth that is in you. We pray this, Lord, that we might truly be your followers, your disciples. We pray this in the power of your name. We pray this in the power and insight of your Holy Spirit. Amen.